What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. Had a comment on one of the videos over the last couple days where somebody asked the question about me, I'm assuming, like the guy, why does he read these stories with weird inflections and my voice going up and down like I'm singing? Well, inflection is one of the things that you do to keep things from getting monotone and boring. Uh, maybe my inflections are weird. Maybe this guy's from another continent. I don't know. But if my inflections are weird, can somebody explain to me why you say they're weird? I didn't realize I was singing anything, but if I'm uh, doing something very strange, give me an example so that I know what I'm looking at so that I can narrow down what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, and maybe fix it. That inflection there. <laughs> anyway, also, I have backed down on the low end of this audio, the bass, if you will. Uh, I'm going to see if that helps some. It's funny because I can listen in my earbuds on my phone, my headphones on the PC, the speakers on the PC, and none of them sound bassy until I upload it to YouTube. And then all of a sudden it sounds like, you know, I'm coming out of 15-inch subwoofers in the trunk of somebody's car. So I have no idea what's going on with that. I don't know if it's YouTube processing doing something else that I didn't ask it to do. But either way, hopefully this helps. And actually, it wasn't even that I could tell. It wasn't even a problem on Spotify. So anyway, let's see if this works. All right, let's do some malicious compliance. Car dealer tried to rip me off. Ended up having to pay inflated maintenance bill themselves. This happened about 17 years ago in a major city in the very south of the Netherlands with a Renault dealership. Renault, Renault, I don't know. I had a new job and we needed a second car. We bought a new Twingo, a car that went for about 12,000 euro. There were two stipulations in the contract when we bought the car. Number one was that we had to get financing through Renault. And number two was that three years maintenance was included. We financed a minor part for three years at 0% interest. After the first year, I took the car for its first service. I had about 12,000 kilometers on the odometer. When I dropped the car off, I was asked if there was anything that needed attention. I think I answered something like, do whatever you need to do. In the late afternoon when I picked the car up, three rather bulky men were standing behind the service desk. I remember they were really focused on me when I was presented with the bill. The bill was for about a thousand euro, and for a one-year-old car with just 12,000 kilometers, immediately I understood what had happened. They must have figured that they could inflate the bill with all kinds of nonsense maintenance actions since I gave them carte blanche. And to avoid any troubles, they made sure that I could be intimidated by them being with three people. I just very friendly asked for my car key. But you have to pay first. Uh, no, I don't. Please, may I have my car keys? Instead of enlightening them straight away, I kept going like this for a bit longer. When things started to get a bit unfriendly, I reminded the rep that I had bought the car at this dealership, including three years of maintenance. All three guys turned a few shades lighter, frantically searching for the contract, whispering, moving away to the office out of earshot. It took about 10 minutes before the rep came back out and handed me my keys. I ended up getting its third service just before the three years had elapsed, and as soon as I got the title of the car, I traded it in for a car of a different brand. And as you would expect, the bill for the second and third service was less than three to four hundred euros. Not sure if this is the right Reddit, the compliance part is that they did everything they were supposed to do and way more. And I complied as well by reminding them that they were responsible for all costs. I don't know about this place, but here in the US, most dealerships, even small mom and pop dealerships, have records. And if you bought the car with a warranty, most of the time when they come in, you're going to ask if you're a customer, if they don't recognize you right away first. They're going to ask if you have a warranty. They're going to ask if you're a customer of theirs. They're going to put in your name and phone number and something should pop up, some kind of record that says, hey, this guy bought this car here. He paid for maintenance plan, blah, blah, blah. 
So I'm not sure why this became an issue. Like, did these guys really not have any clue that this person bought the maintenance package or were they betting that the customer was going to forget? I don't know. Good for you for sticking to your guns. Uh, I probably wouldn't have strung them along. I probably would have told them right away, what do you mean a thousand euro? I paid for a maintenance package. This ain't right. But sometimes the game is more fun than the actual end result. So I can understand that too. No one's stuff can be left lying around. You got it. This happened a few years ago now when I was 18 and still living at home. My mother, then 65, was and still is a raging narcissist and a control freak. In a way, I can't really blame her since she grew up practically looking after her siblings, but it's something that slowly destroyed our family life. I was diagnosed with high-level ADHD when I was 19, which explained a lot of difficulties growing up. But this is the backstory to why my mother is terrified of me touching her stuff. My mother had this hatred for things not being done her way. To the point she would go through her friends and family's trash to rip up posts and stuff with names because people will find your address if they look through the bins. If they're looking through my bins, they're already outside my house, so I don't think they need my address, to be fair. But she would move everything of mine, put it away in places it doesn't live, shove it in bags, goes into my room to try to tidy it away and I lose things, break things, don't have enough clothes out, etc. It was endless and I was growing angry. My father's an enabler, so would always defend her even when he knew she was wrong. When I tipped the scale, it was seemingly a normal day. When I cook, I usually clean a little as I go along, but do the bulk after I'm finished eating. Every single time, without fail, as soon as my butt touched the chair to eat, she'd be in the kitchen screaming about how it's so dirty and no one does anything in this house. And then there would be smashing pot sounds and noises of anger. We've all gotten used to just tuning her out, mostly. When I take a shower, I always dry myself, head up to my room, telling them the bathroom's free but not clean, and then get into my new clothes and quickly blow dry my hair and moisturize my face, then I head down to clean up the bathroom. Screaming, shouting, compares herself to a slave, no one respects her house, etc. Every single time. She wouldn't even need the bathroom, she'd just enter it to complain. This time, however, she brandished my shampoo bottle in my face and screamed about how if I didn't put things away fast enough, I was in my room maybe 10 minutes, then she'd kick me out because she was fed up of tidying everyone else's stuff up. No one asked her to. After she's been on her feet all day at work, she logs books on a computer, plus she refused to retire. Cue malicious compliance. For four long weeks, I put everything away. And I mean everything. Everyone else's stuff got put away or put on their placemat. I moved things around to their proper places. I put things away when she was mid-using it. Work stuff she left lying around got put back into her pile of papers. Her clothes got dumped outside of her room. Blankets folded and stacked when she went to the toilet. Spices and foods back on the top shelves. My mother's around 5'2", so struggles to reach things sometimes. Whereas I'm 5'9", so I can easily pop things out of her reach. Where they were stored. Bottles, jewelry, glasses, pots, pans, everything was put away. For some reason, I loved it. It seemed to scratch an itch in my brain whenever I got bursts of motivation to do it. It took a month before she basically told me to F off with doing this. Oh, you. She'd lost multiple things, kept having to call for help reaching stuff, sort through her papers and ask me where I moved things. All I said to her was, do you see how annoying it is now? And closed my bedroom door. I moved everything back the next day when she was at work and for maybe one blissful week she stopped nagging. That didn't last long, but I always remember it with a smile. Also, I kept thinking about reading that story was the way somebody said it. It was like I was singing. I don't know. Anyway, so we go through that in our house. We have 10 people living under one roof, and it can be trying at times. We all have our little quirks. We all have our little things where, you know, not everybody does everything 
the way the other people think it should be done. But through time, we've all tried to come to compromises where no one person is left doing all the work and not everybody's leaving their stuff laying around and just generally trying to keep the place organized enough. I mean, we're not we're not neat freaks. And in fact, we tend to have clutter sitting around like there's a beach bag sitting in front of the cat behind my shoulder here. It's been there for two months. We haven't been to the beach. Unfortunately, it has no real home at the moment. So there it sits. But something like that, as long as the stuff in the bag stays in the bag, it's not too bad. Anyway, people can be really strange and, uh, you know, want to play the martyr all the time, no matter what. So what are you going to do? Malicious compliance to a bank's arrogant savings plan. Had to deal with the bank today and got pretty mad with their stupid procedures and bureaucracy. Not the people that served me. I literally started thinking about petty compliance to one of the topics and how well the banks have protected themselves with legal documents. And I remembered this golden story from my grandfather. May he rest in peace. Couple clarifications. I'll use the dollar symbol when referring to money for ease, but this is on a local currency. The story is a fairly long way back in time. Back then, salaries, which were monthly, would range between $170 up to $350, stretching the upper end a bit. The story. So my grandfather was at a point in his life with a wife and a couple young kids, settled in an apartment and was working in a factory and painting houses. He was working more than two eight-hour jobs six days a week to provide us as well as save money for the future and for the kids, and as it ended up, the grandkids as well. So with about a double income, he was managing to put some money on the side each month. He had gone to one of the local banks and opened up a savings account with a healthy interest. Different times. He put in some money, about $5,000, and left it to grow. A year later, he went in to put in some more money and started a new plan for another year, and the guy told him to go with one of their new plans where the interest was 2.5%, up from under 2% on the normal end-of-the-year pay plan he had. And this new plan was paying everyday interest, as well as he could add money each month, instead of once a year, before starting a new plan. According to Grandpa, even the fine print didn't seem to have any negatives, so he went with it. About $7,000 at that point. Three to four months goes by, and he goes in to add some money to the account and asks for the account movements to be updated. Back then, you had a booklet, and they put in an old-style printer, and it would add only what was not already printed. Brand new tech back then. He gets his print out, and it's four months of daily $0 interest added. When you do the math, 7,000 times .025 divided by 365, you get about 48 cents per day. That wasn't being paid. He asked why after four months of daily payments, his deposit was still the same, and the clerk smirked back that the amount was too small. The system wasn't calculating cents, just whole numbers. So with his amount being 7k, his daily payment was 48 cents rounded to zero. Holy cow. He went to the director of the bank office and mentioned everything together with the fact that for over 100 days the bank had been keeping for itself 50 cents per day and asked how that was allowed because it was robbing the customers. And the director just responded with, in our bank, individual offices have the right to operate semi-independently. This is why we're able to offer such a competitive interest rate. Whilst our bank doesn't offer it officially, we're allowed to set some rules for ourselves. If you don't like it, feel free to change your position. Change your position meaning not be so poor. You're poor. According to my grandfather, he was furious and just stood up and left. Went back home and read all the fine print of the contract again, only to find that information so vaguely written that it could have been talking about weather temperature calculations. The malicious compliance. He read it once more and two days later he went back to that office bank. He added some money to get the amount to $7,450 and left. No complaints, nothing. He went back four days later to update his booklet with recent account movements and the system was paying a dollar every day. Since he confirmed this, he went to the other banks he had accounts in. He was smart man. He was a smart man and didn't want to keep all his money in one place. 
but now he was on a revenge mission. He took out all his money from the other banks and went back and opened up two more accounts with that exact same amount. He also got the bank to pay those interest payments in a separate account, making sure that the amount was just right at $7,450. So he started getting $3, $1 per account, every day. That was in a period when he was getting paid about $7 a day for about 10 hours of work, or about 15 from his two jobs. This continued for so long that with time passing and him saving more, he managed to get up to eight such accounts before they shut down that plan and changed it. According to him, that run for over 11 years. The way this worked was him pretty much netting a 5% interest rate of the stupidity and arrogance of the bank, just because most people had under $7,000 in savings. So everyone subscribed on that plan was getting robbed, whatever they were owed. He said that the interest rate fluctuated up and down a bit, so he ended up getting the amounts up at 8K, just so he wouldn't be losing money when the rate was falling lower. He said that according to his calculations, he netted about $11,000 over what his money should have earned with that APY of 2.5%. I'm not going to go back and check the guy's math, but it sounds alright to me. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a cruel bait and switch. You know, the legalese that's put in fine print. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be responsible as consumers to watch out for this kind of stuff, but most people can't follow that type of stuff. Unless you're in finances, it's really difficult to figure all that stuff out. To me, it's simple. You put money in, you get a certain percentage rate. It should all be cut and dry. There's no reason that, you know, if I put a dollar in that I shouldn't be able to get, if it's two and a half percent, two and a half cents per dollar, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. If you're going to do this kind of stuff, at least spell it out for me so that, you know, it's understandable and good for OP's grandfather for figuring it out and uh, getting what was his. Insurance company requires repair quotes on letterhead? My pleasure. My husband and I bought a boat in a storage lot to flip. We spent months of time and buckets of money to fix her up, and we were getting close to being done. The work included painting and rehabbing the mast, the stick that holds the sails, which was being stored in a cradle next to the boat. It was well inside our space, but it did extend beyond the boat itself a few feet, so we marked it with a neon orange safety cone. Just days after painting the mast, my husband called me from the storage lot with the news that someone had damaged it. Turns out the facility's camera caught the rat trap guy drive right under the mast, knock it to the asphalt, drive over it, stop, then back over it. Naturally, he didn't leave a note, but his truck was easily ID'd and he fessed up when confronted. He didn't want to go through insurance, so we worked up a figure based on us buying used gear. Most of it wasn't cheap. To replace what was broken and doing all the work ourselves for free. I think it was less than a thousand dollars. And anyone who knows boats will know what a bargain that was. Even so, he decided to go through insurance after all. The agent who called us needed a quote from a business, not just our scribbling estimate. So I contacted our local cheap boatyard for a DIY quote. They'd just store the mast while we did all the work. That bumped the total we were seeking to about $2,500. We spent five months trying to get the agent to respond. And when he finally did, it was to say that they couldn't accept an emailed quote. It had to be an attachment on letterhead. The rinky-dink yard only sends quotes in the body of emails because they have zero forks to give. He all but called us liars and scammers who could have had their buddies supply this fake-looking estimate. No company policy required at least two quotes on letterhead to move forward. I confirmed that he wouldn't be able to process our claim without those two quotes. Correct. I also confirmed these yards could be anywhere in the state. Correct. I warned him the new quotes would be significantly higher, but he snidely said that was fine, as long as they were on letterhead. Cue malicious compliance. And some FAFO. Which, oh, by the way, means F around and find out. Having worked in the boating industry for most of my life, I knew exactly who to call. The two most respected, i.e. expensive, boatyards in the state. 
These quotes included the yards doing all the work, replacing all damaged gear with new, storage fees, and transportation to and from our storage lot. Both were hundreds of miles away. Unsurprisingly, he called it as soon as he got the quotes, asking if he could pretty please use the Rinky Dink Yards quote. Oh, you can't do that. You might get in trouble since it's company policy, right? We've got to follow all the rules, lest someone think we're scammers, right? He wasn't happy. A week later, we got a check. For the original quote, we scribbled down for the rat trap guy. Guess the agent decided to see if we'd just bend over after he called us liars and cheats. Uh-uh, no way. I called our insurance, who got on the line with the other agent, and gave him a what for. Two days later, we got a second check for the remainder. I'm sure someone spit on it, but I was happy enough to deposit that $14,000. Yeah, another racket industry, insurance. You know, you spend years paying into insurance policies, whether it's for your home, your car, your boat, whatever. Just to end up, and, and this actually, this was the other guy's insurance, but he paid in for however long he paid in. And, you know, I can understand being a little weird in the letterhead thing. Okay, fine. You need an official quote from an official business. I get it. But then once you got it, you, you got even weirder about it. So yeah, screw that guy. Try to give him a break for doing the work. And uh, all he did was call you liars and cheats. YouTube thinks you're going to enjoy this video right here. So do me a favor and give it a click, would you? Really? It would help the channel a lot. See you guys.